We're a community where news and information is created by our team of journalists. We ask tough questions and we simplify the science so that anyone can understand. We don't only cover disease, but delve into the latest research on what it takes to keep our brains healthy. Aside from the experts, we also interview people diagnosed with dementia. Being Patient Perspectives looks at that first-person perspective of people living with dementia. Okay, we're live. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Nicholas Chen, reporter with Being Patient, and uh, welcome to our live talk. And today we'll be talking to Doreen Monks, uh, who is a retired nurse practitioner uh, diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at the age of 63 in 2016. Uh, and Doreen, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, yeah, so Doreen, you know, before we talk about you know, your journey living with the disease. I just want to ask you, you know, because you're a retired nurse practitioner, can you tell us a little bit about how, you know, you chose that uh, being a nurse as a career path? What inspired you? Um, I don't know if it was anything particular. I, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I, you know, I did some volunteering as a, as a, as a, a youngster and I enjoyed the environment and I thought I would be best in nursing. I it gave me a, a good opportunity to to use science and 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 the art of care. Um, and then one day I was walking and I went to visit a, a, an uncle in the hospital and I was walking down the hallway and I thought, wow, I belong here. And that was really when I decided, okay, I, I really want to be a nurse. Uh, and that was a long time ago. And I I hung in there. Right. And like during your work as a nurse practitioner, you were like more specifically a, a neuroscience nurse practitioner. Correct. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about like what your work was as a um, neuroscience? I, I spent most of my, um, I got my master's um, in 1978. Um, and most of my time was spent with uh, uh, patients with stroke. Uh, so stroke care management, um, prevention and tra treatment and follow-up care. Um, you know, so, um, I started uh, um, uh, the, the program at a local hospital. So we had, a, which is now highly, it's functioning. It's, you know, certified and, and, and doing well without me. Um, so that was really what my primary role was. Some administration, much, most, a lot, as much clinical as I could get in, because to me, that was the, the meat, meat of it all. Mm, right. And, as as we talked about uh, a little bit before this interview, you mentioned that you also took care of um, like dementia patients too, right? Because right. Well, as a, as, yeah. as a subsequent to stroke, many patients, because multiple strokes, um, will develop vascular dementia. You know, which is obviously, uh, uh, I think, I believe it's the second most common form of dementia behind, beside uh, behind Alzheimer's disease. Um, so it, it was not unbeknownst to me what, you know, certainly I had taken care of patients as a, as a, as a bedside nurse with, with uh, multiple forms of dementia. Uh, and certainly as a nurse practitioner saw, you know, a fair amount of patients with vascular dementia as well. Mm, right. And, um, you know, for some of the early symptoms of Alzheimer's, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, around what age you start experiencing those early um, you know I was in a retrospect it was probably when I was about 60 um you know it's amazing here I've been a nurse neuroscience nurse forever and I had somebody else to tell me what, what was going on um memory was not the issue in fact my memory re remains fairly intact given that I'm going to be 69 um but it's mostly um 
executive functioning things. So or putting order to things, following up on complex processes, those became problematic. And I was having more difficulty at work, particularly with administrative issues. Um, and that's really what was the thing that sparked the conversation, which ended up, you know, with the, di- the, the start of the diagnostic process. Mm, right. And was was it the case that like colleagues would point out to you that? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I worked with a neurologist, uh, one of the best neurologists I've ever known. And that's a long, that's saying much after 40 something years. And she was the one who literally knocked on my door one morning and said, we have to talk. And she said, these are some of the things that, are com- that I'm seeing. And I'm concerned that you're having some cognitive issues. And that, that really, you know, that was, I will be forever grateful to her because, you know, I, that brought about the diagnosis much earlier than most people are diagnosed. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it was very fortunate you know, for me. Right. And before you were diagnosed and did you have like any inkling of like what? Well, you know, I was, some, I was getting more and more frustrated with the, the administrative work. And I thought at first it's because I didn't like it. You know, it was not, I was, I'm a bedside person. Um, but then an interesting thing happened. I had a, um, a study coordinator who worked for me. And we were involved in a, a, a drug research study. And, you know, when you you uh, enroll people, patients, you get a, a stipend. And she was came in looking for us, uh, this check that we were supposed to get from them. And I said, no, we haven't got it yet. She came back, you know, a week later. She said, no, we haven't gotten it. I said, in fact, you should, you know, this is now three weeks goes on. And I said, you know, you better call them and see what happened. And she came back in rather me- sheepishly and said, Doreen, you, not only did we get the check, you you deposited it. Now, to this day, I have no recollection of that. But and what happened, and, and I couldn't put two, two together, two and two together. So on my desk was a folder with that drug company on it. And that's where I had in there the slip. But it never dawned on me, oh, I, the, the next logical step to the question is look in the folder and you'll find the deposit slip. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was some, that will always remind, uh, as much as I can uh, always be able to remember, uh, that is always in my forefront of that was the most obvious thing to me. And then one time I couldn't remember how many 60 seconds were in a minute. I had to look it up, you know, so there's little glitches when you, at first you think it's nothing, but you put the put them together and obviously it's something. Mm, right. There were just like all these red flags coming out. Yeah, you know, little things. One time I couldn't remember what finger I put my ring on. My mother bought me a clatter ring when I got my master's degree in 78. I put it on the same finger for, since then. And one morning I took me 20 minutes to figure out what finger I put the ring on. You know, I mean, these, again, you put this together and that together and that you say, well, of course, why didn't you notice that? You know, mm-hmm. but some, you know, some things like this, most of the time it's somebody else noticing it first. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, can you run us through then the um, the whole diagnostic process? And because it, oh, um, it was not not a short period of time. No, it was a, it was a long time. Um, I start literally, I, I think I, we had the discussion about the symptoms on Thursday. That Monday, I went to my primary care physician, which t- it's really the first thing you have to do. Um, and I was I'm blessed with a phenomenal uh, primary care physician. She said, I'm not a neuropsychologist, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to go for an MRI, and you're going to go see the neuropsychologist. And that was the beginning of the process. And then um, after the neuropsychologist was getting, I ha- uh, subsequently had to get a neurologist. And then it was multiple scans, um, blood work to, you know, basically in the beginning, they rule out anything that can be fixed. You know, um, many times Alzheimer's is up until 
recently has really been a diagnosis of exclusion. So um, all those things that could be excluded were excluded. And finally, I went for a PET scan about a year and a half after this process started. And that was really the final, the final diagnosis. And this is like a, a normal pet, not an amyloid? Just, no, not a, not an amyloid uh, PET scan, just a routine PET scan. Got it. And um, yeah, it was in 2016 that your diagnosis Correct. was finalized. Right. April 2016. Uh, April. Yeah. I mean, how did you, um, how did you react like at the doctor's office? Well, no, I'll tell you what happened. This is, and this is a, you know, this is my bit of a, problem I have with sometimes depending on certain people in the medical profession I went for the PET scan I'm going to say nine o'clock in the morning I got back to my uh to the hospital where I was working I'm going to say 10 30 and I'm as, as I'm pulling into the parking lot I get a text from the physician who says call me I so I I'm still on the car I call him he said I'll call you right back and he calls me right back and he says to me it's Alzheimer's disease I'll see you next week in the office and that was how I got my diagnosis now I, you know what? Um, I, I don't know you. I I didn't react. I texted my friend, the neurologist and the NP, that it was a friend of mine, and she said I'll meet you in my off your office and we'll look at the the PET scan together. Um, so I I got the support I needed from them, so I didn't need his help. <laughs> you know. Got it. And. Yeah, and so when you when you were looking at the like the results with your neurologist friend, yeah, well, it's startling because you literally have these you know the PET scan you know uh, measures the uptake of glucose activity in your brain in areas that aren't functioning. There's no glucose activity, so I have these black holes basically in my brain, and I'm like, you know, the neuro person in me is like, wow, this is fascinating, and the me. I'm looking at it like, oh my God, I can't believe this is my brain. I, I should be sitting in the corner someplace. But it really, it was just, I have, you know, and, and uh, it's so startling um, from a professional aspect, uh, obviously, and, and a personal aspect as well. Um, but I was happy at that point to have an answer because we've been back and forth and back and forth. Is it Alzheimer's? Is it frontal temporal dementia? Is it something else? Is it this? Is it that? And finally, to have an answer to me was almost a relief because mm-hmm. then I knew what I was fighting. You know, I had it. I knew who the enemy was. Got it. Oh, so it, was it uh, an FDG PET scan specifically that looks at like the metabolism? Uh, in the yeah, brain? just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it, got it. Um, yeah, so you mentioned it's in some, in many ways, it was actually a relief to finally. Well, yeah, you know, because you don't know, it's, it, you're living in limbo for a year, you know. Um, I, I can't figure out what to do next because I don't know what, what's the thing between now and next, you know. Um, so it was a relief to know, okay, well, now this is what I have to deal with. Um, you know, I, um, and meanwhile, I had been following up with a neuropsychologist. At that point, I think I had no, no, three neuropsych tests. And she was the one, before even the, the PET scan was done, saying, you know, obviously, you got to stop working. Uh, the stress is too much. It's making the symptoms worse. I was having a hard time functioning uh, from a higher executive function level uh, because of the, the stress of the of, of work. Um, so when I finally got the results of the PET scan, I said, okay, now I know what I have to do. Hmm, got it. Which was to, to, to move on. Hmm. And, you know, just shortly after, and just shortly in 2016, after you received that final diagnosis, yeah. you retired. Correct. Um, in June, in June of 2016. And, you know, you mentioned that retiring was, it was 
difficult. Can you tell well, us? Well, you know, it, I was, I, you know, I'm a single woman. I, uh, I, I was expecting to, you know, to work until I, they found me at the desk. You know what I mean? Like it was, that was my passion was my work. Um, and, um, I certainly wasn't expecting to retire at 63. Um, I wasn't expecting to, you know, to sell the house that I really liked. There was a, like I said to you, um, you get the diagnosis and literally the world stops. And it's a clean slate now. So whatever you were looking forward to or however you visioned your life at a, you know, the next year and the year after that, that's all gone. You know, so the whatever five-year plan you had or two-year plan or one-year plan is at the window. So now you have to start all over again, sort of reset your life for going forward. Right. And, you know, can you, can you tell us a little bit about like, what are some aspects in your life now that, you know, you, well, you know, like, um, first of all, I'm not working, so I don't have that pressure. Um, I, I have found a new passion and, and, and that's Alzheimer's disease and all things Alzheimer's. Um, I feel very blessed in, a, in some way that I was diagnosed early. Um, so it's given me, uh, you know, I'm highly functional. I'm, I'm, I'm independent in most things. I have, you know, my, anything that's stressful is, is auto paid and, and, and taken care of by my, my friends. Um, but, um, for, so I'm able to, just to go about, you know, doing education. Uh, I said to you, um, you know, most people get diagnosed and they think that's it. I'm, I'm dead, you know, uh, and it's not a di- it's not a death sentence. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right now, until we find a uh, treatment and certainly a cure, you, you will die from it. But I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of all that business. I did all the legal stuff early on in my diagnosis. You know, I have a living will, uh, you know, a, a, a regular will. I have a healthcare proxy. I, you know, my will is in order. I mean, all those things that you have to worry about at the end, I've taken care of. So now I have the time to go and forth and say, listen, I, if you get diagnosis, yeah, it's, uh, who's happy? Nobody's happy. But you know what? You can have, I mean, I have just a much of a good day. I mean, every day I get up and I think it's going to be a good day, you know, and I'm going to find, I'll interact. I go with my friends. I, I go to meetings. I, I do some lecturing. I just, I, you know, I'm chatting with folks like yourself. Um, because, so there's a, a new um, passion in my life and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Mm, right. And as we talked about, like there two particular good friends that have really kept you. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't know where I'd be without either one of them. Uh, certainly the, the, my friend, the neurologist, um, she not only helped me to get diagnosed, but she has, she has literally streamlined, streamlined my life to the point where literally there are no stressors on me. I mean, she takes care of my financial issues, you know, legal issues. Um, she's my go-to person if I'm not sure about something. So she's just made life so much easier and my other friend is is my day to day friend. She you know she takes you know she keeps an eye out after me. Um, we you know we go out shopping together. Um, you know you know she just um, she's just my my girl. You know my friend. We hang, hang out together. You know I, I I get invited to her house and I I watch football with her husband. You know uh, we have a we have a great time. Um, so I'm very blessed for the two of them. <clears throat> you know one keeps me out of trouble and the other one you know puts a little bounce in my day. Mm, right like as you mentioned right like early on uh you've got all your affairs in order like living well and all those things so you can concentrate Mm -hmm. on other important things right you know um if you go to the website alzheimer's association website there's literally and look for newly diagnosed there's literally a checklist and i sat religiously with that checklist i went through every single single thing on that and that that 
little form got me through the first six months, mm. at least. So you would, I, yeah, you, after would I was advise, diagnosed. you would advise like families and. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, um, there are many, many resources out there that are good. But, um, you know, this is the this is the. The, the gold standard Alzheimer's Association's website. Um, it, it, everything you ever wanted to know, they, obviously they have a 24 hour uh, hotline, that, but there's reams of information available to you on that website. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I said, I mean, literally, I had somewhere tucked away in some box someplace, I still have the checklist that mm-hmm. I checked off everything that I, did, I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, I one, never thought I'd get, I had to go find an elder lawyer. I was like, what the heck is that? You know, then I figured, you know, I, you know, that was the first thing I did, you know, it was to find a lawyer, you know, and she's been phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I mean, it puts some direction in what is a very chaotic point in your life. Right. Because these are all like new, like finding an elder law attorney. Yes. I mean, I wasn't expecting to do that as, as you know, 63. I was, ex- I, I mean, I, I had a will, I mean, but I, it was old, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't never thought about revamping it. Um, I certainly wasn't expecting to find a healthcare proxy. It was fine. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, I thought that was something I would do when I was in my seventies, you know, uh, not in my sixties. And, you know, you, you, you talked about how, you know, um, how receiving an Alzheimer's diagnosis isn't a death sentence, um, no. but that's, um, I think, unfortunately, for a lot of patients and families, that's what they do feel like, like after shortly after a diagnosis. Like, and it's and it's certainly understandable. I'm not saying I I didn't jump, you know, do cartwheels because I got diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. But I, like I said to you, I realized I had two choices. I'm either going to sit, I'm going to wallow in the corner and wait for the archangels to come, or I'm going to do something about it. And I learned a different life. And, and the point is, is I don't know when the, sh- the other shoe's going to fall. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years. I could be 80 years old and still talking about, oh, my God, when is it? You know, I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, and that's the thing. It's like if you plan for the, 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 the bad end and then you get to, then you get to live the good part. You know, you get to live from today until whenever, you know, to, and you can have a good life. You know, it's a little different. It's not the same life you thought you were going to have, and it may take a little more work. Um, and I'm not saying that things don't progress because the disease will progress and you're going to have to make adaptions, uh, adaptations to your life as you go along. But that doesn't mean today you can't have a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have a good life today. And you can. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I can say that with all with as much fervor as I can, uh, can admit uh, that it's I'm well, not. You know, I missed the old life, but I'm happy with the new life. And, you know, as you say, right, like things change. And, you know, it's been some years since, you know, you noticed the earliest symptoms of your disease. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering, like, what about now then from the day to day? what you are know, I don't have a, you know, things are, you know, things that have, uh, that are complex processes, you know, uh, take me a little longer. I have to pay more attention to I'm easy, I'm much, I'm more easily distracted. Uh, by things, um, you know, and being six, almost 69 doesn't help. Um, so, um, so I'm more distracted. Um, I can get lost in the process of sometimes, you know, like I love to cook, you know, but if it's a new, if it's a new, you know, uh, uh, recipe, I have to work harder at it, you know, um, things that used to be, eat, you know, kind of wrote to me, I have to pay att- more attention to, um, you know, um, 
you know, driving is fine. I have, I know, I, I, I'm very, I have no problems driving. Um, thank God for GPS. Um, she, uh, she, my GPS's name is Doris. Um, she keeps me on, she keeps me on the road. Um, you know, but so those things. I have some. It's hard to believe, but I do have some word finding difficulties sometimes. So I have to kind of beat around the bush a little bit until I get the right word out. Um, but uh, for the most part, the changes are have been minimally annoying. You know. And I, everybody tells me, I, mean, I can't, you know, I get, which is sometimes a little frustrating. Oh, you, you can't possibly have Alzheimer's disease or, you know, I would never, could never tell you have to, I always, I, I actually took a picture of my PET scan. It's on my phone so I could prove to people that I really have it. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, again, you, you have the opportunity to, to do well you know, for as long as you can be well, you know, I guess that's the key, you know, do as much, do as well, well as you can while you're well enough to do it. Mm, got it. And, you know, one point you brought up uh, before this interview is that, you know, Alzheimer's has been in the corner for, for too long. Can you tell us a little bit about what I'm, I'm first, I know I, you know, if you look back 1906, when Eloise Alzheimer's identified the first woman, 50 year old woman, who they ended up doing, he was a nurse, he was a psychiatrist, and on autopsy, they found plaque on this woman's brain. It took to 1996, I believe, for the first med to come out, to, to, then that had, you know, you know, suggested that it might slow down the, um, the, the progression of the disease, but there was no clarity to that. You know, we're, and, and meanwhile, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I've had a melanoma before, so I, I, my, uh, you know, God bless the people who are, who are working through diagnosis of cancer and HIV, AIDS and heart disease. But so much in the time that nothing happened to Alzheimer's disease, even though it affects so many people, um, so much has progressed in those other diseases. You know, it's, they're not death sentences. You know, you don't, just because you get diagnosed with either HIV, AIDS or cancer or, or heart disease doesn't mean you're going to die, you know. Um, so the end result is not known basically with those diagnoses and it's time for the research uh, and the monies to go towards the research to come forward and say we have to take care of the six million some and, and plus people in the America who have the diagnosis just as much as we have to take care of those other people and but I think too long everybody just said it was Alzheimer's disease well you know there's nothing to do about it so we won't talk about it you know and it's time to talk about it you know, and this is one of the reasons why I do. I mean, you know, people say, well, gee, do you want everybody to know? I don't care how many people know, because if more and more people know that I have it, then more and more people are going to tell other people they have it. And before, and then we can speak up for ourselves in, 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 with the government and with the financial uh, institutions and say, we, we are just as valuable as all those other people. You know, we're, we're, worth, we're worth the time, the effort, and the money to find a treatment and to find a cure. Mm -hmm. Just literally, there has been never been a survivor of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. Right, it's frightening, and appalling, mm -hmm. actually. And you know, looking at like the um, you know, the drug pipeline now, like, do you, are you optimistic or? Well, or, you know, um, there are some legislative issues that are impacting the 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 the, the possibilities. Um, it takes money, you know, we're, we're at the precipice, you know, um, there's a drug class called monoclonal antibodies. And, you know, one was just FDA approved. It's not for everybody. There's a very select uh, Agihelm, which is the brand name. Um, it's um, not for everybody. It's gonna be a select group of people 
um, the, you know, the cost is outstanding. Um, so that's, there's a lot of work for that, but it's the fact that it exists right down the pop pipeline or other, because once you open the door, the other drugs will come along the pipeline that will, will affect more people and be more efficacious than the, the Agilhelm is or, 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 you know, and so, but you have to let that door open. Um, if you, if you put the kibosh on it, then we're literally saying to 6 million people, you're not worth our time or our money. And that's, to me, it's appalling. So I, I'm, I'm very hopeful um, as far as the research is concerned. And I'm very concerned as far as the, uh, the federal government supporting that research. Mm-hmm. And again, that's my opinion. And Dorian, I have last opinion. question for you then, mm-hmm. especially for you, for you as a former uh, nurse practitioner. Um, what do you think are some ways um, that healthcare providers like clinicians can do better in terms of like taking care of patients uh, living with Alzheimer's or other forms? Well, first of all, I think there's the key to the, solving this, to, uh, the problem with this disease or identifying this is early di- diagnosis. You know, too, too many, many times people are diagnosed when the disease is fairly well at, advanced, you know, where almost everybody notices there's a problem with my mom or my grandmother or my sister or my daughter, you know, it's, the, the key has to be early diagnosis. So I think it's behooves, you know, the, the, the healthcare, uh, your healthcare provider um, to really do early screenings. I mean, we do, we do, you know, once a year we do an EKG and we do, we do lipids and we do this and we do that. And later on they do a stress test why aren't we doing at least mini mental status exams once a year? So I, you, so next year, maybe there's a little bit of a glitch and you pick that up faster, but if you wait and, you know, and, and the thing is the other thing I, I, I hope that more care for providers become more uh, conscious of the reaction to the, you know, somebody goes to the doctors and they say, I'm a little concerned about my, my uh, memory or I'm, I'm, I'm a little it's hard for me to do things oh don't and you get the the response to many times is oh don't worry about it, you're okay or that's normal you're getting older well dementia is not a normal process process of getting older it's not you know you just your brain just you know sure love a dive just because you got older uh, you know so i think that um you know the healthcare, the certainly the primary health care providers need to be more cognizant and be more accepting. If I got, if somebody comes to me and says, I think I have something with my memory, problem with my memory, I'm going to, you know, I, that should get investigated, not poo-pooed. Mm-hmm. And how about in terms of, you know, um, clinicians delivering a diagnosis and offering a roadmap for patients? Well, you know, um, I can only talk, talk about my experience. Sure. Um, I, I, the reason I had a, a, I was able to develop a plan was because of my friend, a neurologist, not the neurologist taking care of me. I got a phone call in my car saying, you have Alzheimer's disease. That was the fun. You know, my novice, I mentioned, I met with him. We had talked about the diagnosis. He told me what he thinks it was. And we did a bunch of, bunch of studies and a bunch of more studies and a couple more studies. But when it was the PET scan was the final diagnosis, um, I got that on a phone call into my car. It said, you have Alzheimer's disease and I'll see you in the office. What was I supposed to, and then I got a, and then I got a prescription for a med, you know, you know, now I'm lucky because I, I was, I had the support 
that I that I had, um, and I was I had enough uh, experience as a, a nurse practitioner to say, okay, I know what I have to do, you know. But that's not that's I'm that's a, a very small portion of the population. It's it's going to be you know people working you know in in you know the in law and in the shop right and the you know um, you know the plumbers and electricians and and people who are working hard and suddenly are met with this when you give you know if we have a diagnosis of cancer okay this is what you have navigators who walk you through the diagnosis why can't we have something like that for somebody without Alzheimer's disease say this is the diagnosis and this is what we need to do. Easy enough. Got it. And yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add, Doreen, that I haven't asked? Uh, no, I just think that um, I think people need to be more aware of the diagnosis. We're aware of what where the um, the federal government is is focusing on the care, um, support the efforts of um, the Alzheimer's Association and other organizations who are who are trying to to provide uh, for a diagnose a better diagnosis and treatment and certainly a cure um if at any point if you think you have a problem whether it's your memory or it's your you know the way you're thinking or anything and you have a problem don't hide go to your primary care physician and say this is what i think is going on i need you to help me figure out what it is because again, the earlier diagnosis, the more likely we can institute treatment. And again, let you plan your life before somebody else does it. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Doreen, for well, thanks for having me. My I appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you for sharing your your thoughts. And uh, oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And for, the, for the audience, if you've uh, missed uh, this interview and would like to hear more about our upcoming talks, um, don't forget to sign up uh, for our newsletter on being patient. Dot com and thank you for watching. Thank you again, Doreen. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on upcoming interviews, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at beingpatient.com. That's B-E-I-N-G-P-A-T-I-E-N-T.com. And send us any feedback you may have, whether it's someone you want us to interview or any comment about our podcast series. You can do so by emailing info at beingpatient.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn.